Omaha, somewhere in middle America. Sorry, I'm not Adam Dirtz, but once again, the Stanford Cardinal are headed to the College World Series for the first time since 2008. And that is what we are here to break down and bring to you on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, presented by the Believe Podcast Network. Awesome to have you with us on Tuesday, June 15th, 2021. Thank you so much for joining us and being a part of the program And we are in our irregular posting schedule, but we'll come at you when we have special things to talk about. And I think Stanford making this first College World Series in 13 years qualifies as a special thing to talk about. I I, I certainly, I certainly think so. We're going to have a lot of fun as we always do talking Stanford sports. Cardinal indeed making its way to the College World Series in Omaha as their action will begin on Saturday in 11 a.m. first pitch from TD Ameritrade Park. On Saturday, and their first opponent will be the North Carolina State Wolfpack. And you're going to hear from a lot of folks to help us break it down. Our special guest this week, one of the veterans of Stanford baseball, one of the most versatile, one of the most competitive, and one of the most fun players to watch for Stanford baseball, not just this year, but throughout his entire career. Tim Tawa is going to spend some time with us. We'll get his thoughts on what it took for this Stanford squad to head to Omaha and some ups and downs that he's had uh, throughout the course of his career. So I'm sure that he is very happy to be ending his Cardinal career at the College World Series. Tim Tawa, our special guest on the TreeCast for this week. Plus, you're going to hear plenty from Stanford head coach David Esker, Stanford center fielder Brock Jones, and Stanford starting pitcher Alex Williams. So much to bring you on this episode of the TreeCast. But first, a couple of, of, of quick reminders, a couple of quick quick ground rules, so to speak, uh, in case you're new to the program. Hey, how you doing? Uh, thank you for being with us here on the TreeCast. We've been doing this overall since 2015. We joined the Believe Podcast Network on in March of 2020, had our first episode on Believe on March 9th, 2020, and then three days later, everything went to heck. So we uh, kind of had to to broaden the scope from just Stanford football, as we had been focusing on in the first uh, five years of this show, to Stanford Athletics on the whole. It's been a lot of fun bringing you the show. You want to go back and listen to some of the great interviews that we've had uh, with David Shaw, who's joined us uh, several times with exclusive one-on-one interviews, uh, Tara Vanderveer, Senator Cory Booker, Stanford all-time greats like Kyle Peterson uh, with Stanford Baseball, uh, Troy Walters, Brevin Knight, uh, James Lofton, Rod Gilmore with ESPN, Jessica Mendoza with Stanford Softball. It's been a real pleasure to bring you Stanford sports like, like no one else can in the podcast uh, space. So if you're new to the show, thank you, subscribe, and make it a habit. You want to give me the follow on Twitter? Cool, I'm with it. At Troy Clarity, the last misspelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. At Troy Clarity is the way to go there. Well, 13 months ago, David Esker joined us on the TreeCast, and he told us this. I don't I don't go on a, li- on a limb very often, but I, I do believe that, that the personnel we'll have in our program We'll compete for a national championship at some point. That was David Esker when he joined us in May 2020. Now, keep in mind that the shutdown was just two months in, and the Cardinals were coming off a 5-11 and season in which they looked really, really young. Yet he still believed when not many others outside of the program did. That was David Esker in May 2020. This was David Esker this past Saturday in Lubbock. We're not done yet, but this... 
super regional win is a is a culmination of just of a lot of hard work in a very difficult time you know saying it over and over without fall practice and without our team getting together until february and um, you know, guys coming into the area to train on their own and just just trying to be ready to hit the ground running whenever we got the go ahead to start as a team and then to take it and and, you know, get through get through each weekend, weekend after weekend. And I always felt like and I think our team always did that. Everybody was waiting for us to kind of, uh, you know, to hit midnight and all of a sudden maybe not to be as good as uh, we were playing. And we just never we, it just never happened. Yep. That was after knocking off the Texas Tech Red Raiders, the favored Red Raiders in their own park, and the Cardinal are still dancing. Up next, the College World Series. We'll give you three things you need to know around Stanford baseball in just a moment, but first, up next for us, a brief reminder that the month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action, and Bet Online is where you can find it. Basketball and hockey playoffs, baseball's marquee matchups, prop bets, Futures, Bet Online has you covered with the latest odds, odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip off, face off, or pitch, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Three things you need to know about Stanford baseball coming off the Super Regionals. And heading into the College World Series, let's dive into it straight ahead with number one. At some point, I need to get different sound effects for the different sports. <laughs> Football tackle doesn't quite work for baseball, but I think you get what I mean. I'll work on that uh, during the offseason. Anyway, Stanford baseball was the number nine national seed. Texas Tech was the number eight national seed. So the seeding committee thought that both of these teams were pretty equal. But Stanford wasted zero time jumping on the Red Raiders and proving that they were the better team right from the start. Cardinal putting up four runs in the very first inning of Game 1, then hitting the afterburners after the six. Cardinal blasted Texas Tech 15-3 in Game 1. Game 2, more of the same as Stanford scored early, scored throughout, and pitched lights out on route to a 9-0 win. And by the close of business last Saturday, folks were booking plane flights to Omaha. After the game, David Esker shared this team's formula. I tell our team every day that, you know, our, our team is based on pitching and defense and a different hero every night. And that's what we have to have. And, and I think if you go through our playoff run here, it's been a different hero every night. And, you know, that's what great teams do. And so I wanted to make sure they understood it doesn't have to be one guy, doesn't have to be Brock every game. Uh, but it sure was Brock and Alex Williams today. Yeah, it sure was. And those two wins were a total team effort. 24 runs in two games in the Super Regional on the road? Holy smokes, how does that happen? Well, Cardinal center fielder Brock Jones chalks it up to Stanford's offensive approach. Esky preaches a lot about, you know, just being relentless um, and not giving up and just and keep pushing. Um, and, you know, he's even saying in this whole series, you know, don't quit, keep going go until they they pull you off so you know that's kind of just kind of how we're going about it as an offense is just keep keep going at them each inning try and put a crooked number each inning yeah and perhaps no one exemplified that better than brock jones himself four for nine overall on the two games in the super regional with three home runs in the clincher big hits for brock but but don't forget about his hustle and his heads up base running that led to a critical run midway through game two after that game, I asked David Esker to size up Brock Jones' big day. Brock is again. He kind of he kind of took the torch from from the offense, and, and and we needed him today. And he came up, and you know, big swing with the home run. But you're right, that base running play, 
to extend one more run on a ground ball, um, close play at first base. And you have to run hard to third. You can't just take it for granted that the guy's going to make a routine play. And he runs hard and gives Tommy Nicholson a chance to spin him to home. Every At that point, every run was was so meaningful, right? And then you never knew, um, you know, if we were going to be able to withhold Texas Tech's offense any, any longer. And then he kind of puts it away with a grand slam to, to get it to eight. So he was a part of almost every every run that we needed to distance ourselves enough to keep to keep a little breathing room and, and give us that ability to kind of pitch freely. Yeah, anytime you hit three home runs in one game, that's going to take top billing. But don't forget what Brock Jones was able to do on the base paths uh, to really give Stanford a critical run at that juncture of the game and then put it away with his grand slam later on. Stanford dominant from the start, but perhaps it started with the attitude from the Cardinal. Wearing black tops in 106 degree temperatures in Lubbock? How'd that come about? David Esker explains. Brandon Beck, you know, he kind of he kind of embraced that and the fact that he said, like, hey, this is not going to make a bit of difference. Uh, it, it's not going to get any cooler if we wear white jerseys. And and he likes the black, and he kind of felt like there would be a kind of a good message that we're not, you know, we're not going to worry about the, the conditions here. We're just here to play. Um, I'm going to retract my statement. We're really ready for big crowds on the road now, I think. <laughs> so our guys performed great. And, and, and to my surprise, you, you, you can't. You can't ever be ready for that, but uh, we've always talked about having a toughness that people can't see, um, being tougher than people expect, kind of catching people off guard by, by you know, having a little grit to us, and I think our guys showed that all weekend. Well, a, a lot of baseball is, is mental and psychological, and, and maybe the Cardinal had the right attitude right from the start. Put it all together, and some folks have called it a dominating performance for Stanford against Texas Tech. Uh, I'm, I'm willing to go a step further a little bit because to me, that was more than a domination. That was darn near a demolition. Let's get to number two. And it's tough to pick one star of the show for Stanford this postseason run. I mean, Brock Jones had big days and little plays even dating back to the regionals. Tim Tawa was the Stanford regional most outstanding player. Brendan Beck, magnificent. Cody Huff hit two grand slams in one game. But don't overlook Alex Williams, the junior righty from Castro Valley. Go back to the NCAA tournament opener in the regional against North Dakota State. Uh, Williams, nine strikeouts, three hits allowed, just one earned run, and seven innings pitched. He threw 104 pitches that day. And last week in his start against Texas Tech, it was rated CG. A two-hit complete game shutout with just a walk and 10 strikeouts. His postseason whip is 500. That's insane. Beyond those numbers, starting Williams over Brendan Beck in the regionals opener was a bit of a gamble. Had, folks, had some folks shrugging their shoulders and, and scratching their heads a bit. But, but Williams' start against North Dakota State set the tone for the weekend for the entire Cardinal pitching staff. Kept it rested, which is so critical in the regionals. That's the key. You need to have arms to survive the regional weekend. And it made that gamble pay off. And his complete game in Lubbock was probably the best pitch game Stanford has had all season. Arguably, maybe in several seasons. It's all the more amazing when you consider what Williams had to do to get to this point. David Esker with the detail. Alex Williams is coming back from Tommy John surgery, right? So we just got him. Um, he started off probably at, you know, 50, 50 pitches in April and then just kept building from 50 pitches in April to, you know, 90 to 100 pitches and then culminating and when we needed him to, to extend a little further than that. But that's someone who put an extremely, you know, 
huge effort into rehabilitating himself and getting himself ready to pitch this year to help us win. It was a big shot in the arm when we were able to get him back on the mound um, because it allowed us to to um, back back off of our younger pitchers who were struggling just to kind of keep up in college baseball. So Alex Williams was, has been amazing. That's David Esker, and Williams' best sequence may have been in the fifth inning against Texas Tech. He hit the leadoff batter on an 0-2 pitch, walked the next batter, and suddenly Stanford's 3-0 lead starting to look a bit precarious. But then after that, Williams went strikeout, foul out, and strikeout to end the threat. Brock Jones scored his big run in the next frame, and Stanford never really looked back from there. Impressive stuff from Williams in triple-digit heat. How was Alex feeling throughout? I was pretty good the entire time. I caught that second wind in about the eighth inning. Uh, then when I realized that opportunity to go to the ninth was there, I was excited. It kind of gave me that energy. But as soon as the game ended, I definitely felt it. And I'm feeling pretty exhausted right now, I'll say it. Yeah, I'm sure. But a good kind of a good kind of exhausted from Alex Williams. Meanwhile, he exhausted Texas Tech with really good stuff. David Esker tells us more. I saw some 91s on the board. I don't know there was there was much more than that. I saw a couple 91s, which is pretty firm for him. You know, again, he's been building his strength and, and getting back to full strength. And his changeup was probably, uh, you know, 11 miles off. I, I was actually watching that early. I was asking some of our players to pay attention that he didn't have so much adrenaline that he was going to probably be overthrowing his changeup. And I, and so I had them paying attention that he was throwing it slow enough to get give him trouble. And I think the first few changeups that he threw were 80 miles an hour. So if you can be minus 11, you know, fastball to change differential, I thought that, you know, and the hitter was looking like that was giving them problems as well. So he came right out of the gate having his stuff and his pitchability is is excellent and, and i think one question mentioned early about very similar to, to brendan beck when they when they came on to campus and when you get guys who are 86 87 miles an hour that's not a sexy velocity reading but each year if they get a little bit stronger and they maintain their pitch ability by the time they're juniors you get a 90 91 a guy with plus pitch ability and then that guy's a problem for the for the opponents yeah big time stuff from a guy who wasn't able to make his season debut until march 29th with his quality stuff and his quantity innings allowing stanford to save its arms at crucial times stanford used just three pitchers in lubbock by the way don't overlook alex williams role in stanford's run to omaha let's finish up three things with number three so what does that performance in lubbock say about this Stanford team and about the Cardinals season overall. I think Alex Williams had some intriguing observations after after Stanford closed things out in Lubbock. We, I think we thrive as a team when we're the underdog. I think that uh, we've been expected to lose 90% of the series we've played all year and kind of walking into this knowing, yeah, they've been 4 and at home in Super Regionals recently. Um, everybody was kind of expecting us to kind of fold, not expecting us to win. And, I think it's just a testament to the, the toughness and the grit that this team has because um, we face any challenge, and I think that we really thrive when we're the underdogs. Yeah, well said. Well said from Alex Williams there. Not bad for a team that was picked to finish fifth in the Pac-12. Above all, David Esker knows that this team is on a mission. Tim Tawa, Christian Robinson, they were not here for a participation trophy, right? Brandon Back and and Zach Gretsch, they weren't here to just, you know, experience it and kind of go on. And I think the, I think the team a couple years ago, they were there to win. You know, you know what I experienced in 1985, I think we went into the College World Series as the number one ranked team. And I almost felt like we went there to, hey, we're, we're good enough that if we play well, we'll win. In 87, we went back to the College World Series and I felt like our, our mission was, we don't care how we play, we just want to win. 
And, and, and we grinded out a couple wins and we didn't start playing well really until about the semifinal game where we caught a little fire and it was able to uh, win the semifinal and into the final game. So I think sometimes being on that mission and not really caring what it takes, just kind of collectively just, just going for the win, however it looks. And sometimes it's going to be ugly and not as not as pretty as you'd like, but uh, it's it's kind of a bottom line game. And I think our kids came in here looking, hey, let's 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 figure out what needs to be done and let's get it done. Yeah, and they certainly got it done. They certainly got it done. Next stop is Omaha and the first opponent, NC State, on Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific. Those are three things. And one reason why Stanford was able to stay on task, the senior class. And David Esker made sure to shout those guys out after winning the Supers in Lubbock. I knew that we had a chance to, to be a playoff team for sure. And it was just going to matter how big a years we got from our seniors and, you know, when you bring back Brendan Beck and Tim Tawa and, and Christian Robinson and Zach Gretsch, and they have their best years ever, then anything's possible. And going to Omaha is possible when your seniors perform like our seniors did. And one of those seniors joins us right now from West Lynn, Oregon, the Stanford Regional Most Outstanding Player and maybe Stanford's most valuable player and certainly its most versatile player as he's played six different positions throughout his career he's homered 11 times this season four of those home runs coming in the NCAA tournament an honor and a pleasure to welcome in to the show as our special guest for this episode of the TreeCast, Tim Tawa Tim thanks a bunch appreciate the time man how you doing I'm doing great. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm psyched to see the uh, squad head into Omaha and representing the Cardinal at the College World Series. And, and, and let's just kind of start there for a moment or so. What did it take for these guys to make it to the College World Series? I think just to believe in ourselves. You know, at the beginning of the year, I don't think anyone except for our team believed that we could be where we are today. Um, and that was motivating to us, motivating to our coaches, motivating to the players. And um, you know, it wasn't about proving everybody wrong, but it was about showing that we were better than people thought. And as the season progressed, we kept showing that, kept showing that to the point where it was like, we can compete with anybody. And, you know, in the regional, there were a lot of good teams there, but it was like, it was like such a belief with each other that there was, there was no way to me. It just felt like if we stayed with each other, we trusted each other, we were going to get through it. And same thing in Texas Tech. Yeah, and it certainly seemed like right from the very beginning of this series, you guys were very comfortable in Lubbock. And certainly, you know, no small feat with, with it being in a hostile environment, hostile temperatures and, and, and those kinds of things. But, but right from the beginning, I mean, the tone might have been set uh, with your home run in game one leading on to that 15-3 to win to open up the series. But you guys seemed very comfortable right from the very beginning. How critical was that in getting the job done against the Texas Tech Red Raiders? Oh, it's huge. Getting the four runs in the first inning was massive. Just to, just for everybody to settle down and relax. And then, you know, we knew we were going to get a good start out of Brendan because that's just who he is. Um, and so when he came out throwing well, it's like, okay, you know, we're here, we belong. Um, but I think we, again, we knew that before we got there. Like, it wasn't like we had anything to lose. We were out there to, to show people that we belong with schools like Texas Tech. And um, getting comfortable early was definitely a big part of that. Definitely just helped everybody, I think, settle in and, and relax the entire weekend. Now, apparently, uh, Stanford going with the black tops on Friday in 106-degree temperatures uh, was Brendan Beck's idea. As I'm sure a member of the senior leadership council of the team, did you have a hand in that as well? No, I, I like the uh, the sentiment that it didn't matter how hot it was. We, we were going to wear what we always wear. Brendan just always wears black on the road on, on Friday. So 
Um, I wasn't hundred percent sure that's what he was going to go with, especially knowing the temperature was going to be in the, in the hundreds, but, um, I'm glad he did. I'm glad he did. It was hot, but I liked that it was kind of like, to me in my head, it was like, we don't care. We don't care how hot it is. We don't care. Um, that it's going to make us even more uh, uncomfortable, maybe wearing black. It just was like, that's what we do. We're not changing who we are. It's just like we traveled with suits on the, on the road. We took a charter flight there and, and no one's seeing us in our suits in the airport but we're still doing it because we're not changing who we are. So we're not changing our brand no matter where we're going. Yeah, and I thought David Esker did a fantastic job of summing up what this team's identity probably is when he said that the formula is uh, pitching defense and a different hero every night. I thought that was uh, well said by him. But for you, looking back at it, was there a moment this year where you looked around during the season and you said, hey, we, we might have something a little special here? I mean, I could tell that from the beginning of the year. You know, we didn't, again, it's like we faced adversity the entire time. We didn't have a fall, you know, practice. We didn't have everybody there until three or four weeks during the season. So it was kind of like you get everybody on campus and you see everybody already like going to the field early and doing all this extra work. And, you know, we could tell we had the pieces. We just had to put it together. We just had to put it together. Um, so I don't know if there was a specific moment, but just like before the year, it was like if we come out and play how we know we can play and, and play to our potential, then then we'll be perfectly fine. And I think a lot of guys – have stepped up this year and done that, especially, you know, led by pitching. And then, like you said, I mean, everybody, you don't know who it's going to be every game, but somebody steps up in a big moment when we need them. And this team kind of just knows how to win. That's the best part about it. Like we don't have to do it pretty all the time. We just seem to find a way. And that's, that's a great part about this team too. Yeah. In your mind, who have been some of the guys who have stepped to the fore as this season has gone along? Uh, I mean, I think it was really important this year with leadership, um, especially not having that fall again. Like I said, guys like Brendan, Myself, Christian Robinson, Nick Bruiser, Austin Wiremiller, all just like stepping up and showing like how to you know put your work in and and just like being figures that were stable, I guess. Because in the beginning of the year, you know, we had some ups and downs with certain things, and just having those guys, you know, being there, being steady, um, kind of showing that how Stanford baseball is supposed to be, setting the example for our culture and. Um, just how we carry ourselves, I think, was big to maintaining our team culture and, and getting where we are today. Yeah, and some young guys coming along as well. Drew Bowser immediately comes to my mind. Uh, Tommy Troy, Tommy O'Rourke, uh, guys like that have really helped uh, step up to the fore as well. Um, your season, uh, some ups, some downs. That's baseball. That's that's how this sport works. Uh, how would you take us through your season as you see it? A lot of fun. I've had so much fun this year just playing with these guys. I mean, it feels like, like I go out there and like, I don't have to stress. I just get to go play and go have fun. It doesn't really matter how I'm doing individually. Cause I just been so about like, let's, let's help the team win. That's been my thing this year. It's not about the individual stuff. It's how can I help the team win? And if I did that in any way, then that's a win for me. So um, it's been really fun seeing all the young guys start to develop and grow and, and come up uh, big in some big moments for our team. It's been fun to see some of the older guys um, break through and have great seasons. It's been it's been good to see the leadership from guys that are kind of in the middle with Brock and, and Cody Huff and a lot of other guys, too, that just have stepped up. And um, that's what makes this team fun. Again, it's like everybody, everybody steps up at some point and you never know who it's going to be in, in what game. But someone always is going to do it. And, and I think that that makes our team really versatile and, and really special and fun to be a part of. Yeah, and it was pretty apparent to me early on in the season, just watching you guys and observing you guys, uh, just how much fun you seem to have 
and just how much joy you play the game with as you as, as you play this game, as you play with and you play for each other. And I think maybe that's that's embodied in, in part of your pregame routine. You guys always seem so loose and have so much fun. You got to take me through that little football thing you guys do where everyone just kind of does a little football sequence uh, for a moment or so before each game. What's that all about? We got a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know when that football. I mean, before I got here, football was a thing. Um, and so it's just a tradition that's been carried over. Um, I don't know how many years it's been going on, but it's fun because we, you know, every year there's something different. My first couple of years, cause I played football in high school. Everyone wanted me to be the quarterback. And so, <laughs> but this year we've got guys that are randomly grabbing the ball at quarterback and they're drawing up their, their fun plays on the ball. And then you always get a skit from the defense too. Um, in some sort of way, sometimes it's based on the other team. Sometimes it's just random. Um, but it's a great way to relax. And we, we've got uh, a couple other things. So, like we play a game uh, before it's basically just like a make each other laugh games. So you like circle up and someone will make a sound or a noise. And if you laugh, you're out. Like we, we do a lot of stuff just to stay loose, stay relaxed before the game. And, and football is definitely one of them that I, that I always enjoy. Yeah. Kind of along those lines, uh, getting relaxed, staying relaxed, trying to be stress-free and locking in on the game that's a big part of your pregame routine. We've seen how the team gets relaxed and stays loose before games. What are some ways that, that you stay relaxed and get focused in on the task at hand? Well, first, I think it's a testament to our coaching staff. Just kind of like it, there's a huge trust between the players and the coaching staff here about letting us get our work in and trust that our routine is getting us locked in. Like they're not super strict about this, this, this. You have to like they let us get loose and stay loose and get ready the way that, that we do best. And so that trust is really important, I think, for our team. But for me personally, it's just keeping my routines the same. I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself super like superstitious or anything like that, but just like being consistent, like going to the field at a, a certain time and hitting before pregame meal just to feel good. And then keeping my routine at the plate the same and making sure that I'm, you know, like certain things, just like being consistent, maintaining, maintaining what I know has worked for me in the past and then sticking with that. You guys got back from Lubbock on a Sunday morning and got back to campus just as commencement activities were wrapping up at Stanford Stadium. So you just missed out on being a part of that. But, hey, you're a Stanford grad. H how does it feel? And what does the whole Stanford experience mean to you? Still hasn't, I graduated in the winter, and it's still, I don't think it's sunk in fully, just that I'm a, a Stanford graduate. Um, it's surreal. It's, you know, it's why you come here. You don't just come here for the baseball, even though it's a huge part of it. You come here to get the Stanford degree that, that sets you up for the rest of your life. And so, man, it's, it's crazy. Even just like we got back yesterday and there were a ton of people outside celebrating and caps and gowns. Dang, I'm, I'm a Stanford. I'm part of that. Um, so I don't think it's really still like my brother would ask me, is it sunk in? I'm, no, it hasn't. I don't, I don't really even know how to feel or, like, obviously, it's I'm so happy and, and it's an incredible accomplishment for me and for all of the seniors in my class that are graduating. Um, but it hasn't even sunk in. It's just this place is, is a special university. And to be able to say that I've graduated from here, it, it means a lot. Well, certainly a big time. Congratulations on that. And hey. Look at this. You've got even more cool stuff coming up later on this month as you get to head to the College World Series uh, later on this week. And a big moment for this program and a big moment for David Esker, obviously, with his background, with this program and with this event in particular. Oh, what has Esky told you 
about what it's like to be in Omaha and what it's like to to be a part of the College World Series. You know, he hasn't said he hasn't said much about it yet. I'm sure in the next couple of days that that we'll start talking about that. He's been, you know, as a player and as a coach. Um, and that's nice, too. We have a lot of guys that I mean, I, I, don't, I can't speak about uh, Coach Eager, but I know that uh, Steve Rodriguez and Tommy Nicholson have been to the College World Series multiple times each. So it's nice having that experience uh, on our staff as a whole. Um, but knowing Eski, he's going to say that the, the team that will do well is the one that relaxes first. That's what he always says when when we go into big environments. And I'm sure it's going to be the exact same um, playing in front of however many fans are going to show up to TD Ameritrade. Um, you know, we our team has never experienced that amount of fans this year, maybe ever, uh, definitely ever, at least for me. So um, knowing Eski, that's what he's going to say. The first team to have success will be the one that relaxes. Um, and knowing our team and knowing how, you know, we prepare for games. I think that we'll, we'll be okay and, and we'll get there. Yeah, and I know that uh, Kyle Peterson of ESPN, one of Stanford's all-time great pitchers, a Cardinal alum himself, and the unofficial mayor of Omaha will be more than happy to uh, welcome the squad and to see them at TD Ameritrade. And, of course, you know, the 18 the, the field is full. It's, it's all, everyone's already set uh, to head to Omaha. Uh, in Stanford's bracket, Pretty intriguing. NC State, who beat Arkansas. Vanderbilt, uh, certainly one of the more dominant programs in college baseball over the past few years. And the Arizona Wildcats in Stanford's uh, half of the bracket as well. Your initial thoughts when you see those other three teams looming in the distance as you try to to try to take care of business in the College World Series? Just excited. It's postseason baseball. You're not going to get a team that's that's not good. All those teams are are incredibly talented teams. A lot of really good players. Um so I'm just excited. I, I, however it works out, I'm excited to get there. I'm excited to get on the field and, and play and um, just see how we match up against these guys. I, I think that, you know, it's it's something that we're going to go out there with a lot of confidence. We're going to go out there and, and show what we got. And, and it's exciting. I mean, Esky talked about uh, going to Texas Tech and, like, if we want to be a powerhouse on the national stage, you got to be able to compete with teams like Texas Tech. And it stays the same with all these schools that are in the – in the College World Series, they're all really good schools that are all capable of winning a national title. So we're gonna have to play really well. But I'm just excited. I mean, this is a this is a once in a lifetime opportunity for for me right now. And so um, I'm just gonna go have a lot of fun. That's my that's my thing. I mean, whatever team we're playing against, I know they're gonna be good. I know they're gonna have the talent, the pitching, the hitting, whatever it is. So just gonna go out, have fun, compete, and and I think that our team's gonna be perfectly fine. Well, it's been a fantastic formula for the squad so far this year, and I can't wait to uh, start to see how things begin to shake out beginning this upcoming weekend. Tim Tawa helping to lead the charge for the Stanford Cardinal in the College World Series. Man, that feels so good to say. Tim, thanks a bunch. Best of luck. I've always enjoyed watching you compete, and the best news is, you're not done yet. I love it. We'll get to see what you and the Cardinal can do starting off against NC State on Saturday. Best of luck. Best of health. Safe travels. Thank you. And we'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, really appreciate uh, Tim's time. I had a chance to chat, catch, uh, catch up with him earlier um, this season when I hosted a, uh, a, a Zoom uh, for uh, because Zoom is how we do things these days, but I had a chance to chat with them earlier this year uh, when I hosted a uh, Zoom with uh, Stanford baseball season ticket holders. Uh, he, uh, Brendan Beck, and David Esker uh, joined the show uh, as well. That was a fun time. That was a fun time, and really enjoyed talking with uh, Tim Tawa then, 
as well as calling a bunch of uh, Stanford's uh, live streams during the season and enjoy catching up with him now. And yeah, look, this is it became pretty clear to me early on this season watching this team that they were a pretty fun bunch of guys to watch. And it might not be 100% totally pretty at times. They might not necessarily go out there and, and, and mash everybody into submission every single game. And it might be a bit of a, a white-knuckle affair at times. And if I'm white-knuckling, you know that's you know, you know that that's a kind of a cardiac situation there. But, man, this is a fun team to watch. And I'm glad that, that they now get to play on the biggest stage of them all and prove to the entire nation, if they haven't, if they haven't watched yet, get to prove the, the, to the entire nation watching just how good and how fun this team can be. A few more thoughts on what could possibly be ahead when Stanford begins its quest for its third national championship in just a moment or so. But but first, look, I'm, I'm into meat, right? You know, and especially this summer coming up, you know, we got a smoker. I got a smoker for Christmas. Probably, and I, I, I finally just broke it out uh, a couple weeks ago, and I'm waiting, and I'm, I'm wondering what, what took me so long to finally get into it. But I'm a big fan of meat right? Grilled meats, smoked meats. I'm all about it. So if you're like me, I would suggest getting Moink right now. Moink was founded by an eighth generation farmer who was featured on Shark Tank and, and host Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful himself, said it's the best bacon he's ever tasted. Why do just four percent four companies control 80% of the U.S. meat industry? Because big food crushes the little guy. You can help change that with moinkbox.com. The best bacon, the best steak, the best chicken, and the best salmon you'll ever eat. And it won't come from the grocery store. You'll find it on the family farm and comp by independent Alaskan fishermen. That's why you need moinkbox.com. Join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V right now. And listeners to this show get free bacon for a year with every box ordered. That's one year of the best bacon you'll ever taste, but only for a limited time. Spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash believe. B-L-E-A-V. That's moinkbox.com slash believe. Steak is a big thing in Omaha. I, I can I can speak from experience there. <laughs> I was born in Omaha. And actually, uh, I went back to Stanford, went back to Omaha when uh, Stanford made the College World Series back in 1997. Called those games my senior year was the last thing I ever did uh, for KZSU, the Stanford Student Station. And it was a really fantastic, fantastic, cool event. And so glad that, that, that these guys, that this team gets to experience what the College World Series is all about. Is the atmosphere the same as it was in Johnny Rosenblatt Stadium as it is now at TD Ameritrade? I don't know, but you know what? It's still pretty darn cool to be there, right? And I know there are a lot of happy people on that Stanford campus right now. None more so, perhaps, I'm sure, than David Esker, the Stanford head coach. And all I can really think about is how much this must mean, this, this must mean to him. Many of you know the story. Esker played for Stanford, helped lead the Cardinal to its first ever national championship in 1987. Stanford went on to repeat the following year in 1988. Has been to Omaha so many times as an assistant coach under Mark Marquis. And I, I, I 
think I thought a lot about how much this taking this team to Omaha means to David Esker. And, and I want to revisit yet another clip. We did this at the top of the show, but I want to revisit a different clip from David Esker when he joined us on the TreeCast in May of last year. And after I asked him what excites him most about Stanford baseball, he wrapped up his answer with this. Hey, just watching on ESPNU, they had they, they were replaying the Stanford final game of 2000 uh, against LSU, and which the game didn't just didn't go their way. Yeah. They were completely talented enough to be the national champion. The game didn't just finish their way, but the Jason Youngs and John Galls and Eric Bruntlitz. And uh, when I watched that game, I just, I, one thing that I really, that I really focused on was just the faces of the competitors on that team, just, just how they carry themselves and their body language and be behind that body language and behind those faces, you knew the makeup of those players that it takes to win at Stanford and to compete from Stanford for a national championship. I kind of, I, I kind of dream that I see that in the faces of the players that are in the program now and the ones that are coming. So I think that is a lot of my optimism and excitement of the people that are in the program now, and uh, and and the and the players that will be coming in the future. Yeah, and and that answer right there from David Esker in May of 2020 told me how much leading this program truly means to him. He knows what it looks like when Stanford's hoisting the big trophy. He's lived it. He's lived it. He doesn't just know what it's like, and he doesn't just know what it looks like. He's lived it. And he wants the Cardinal to experience it all over again. You could hear that, I think, in his answer. I, I, he, didn't, he didn't really hold back. He, he was, I think he was getting a little emotional there when, when he was talking about watching the replay of that 2000 national championship game, a game that uh, still kind of gives me nightmares a little bit with how it ended, but, but just the looks on the guys' faces and just the, 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 the magnitude of the moment. And those kids were there. And he wanted so much to bring this program and to bring these kids here. And now he has that chance. Now he has that chance. Stanford's been to the college, or David Esker rather has been to the College World Series many times as a player and an assistant. And now this is his second trip to Omaha as a head coach. The last time was when he was with Cal in 2011. And I, I asked him after the game on Saturday to compare and contrast the roads to Omaha that he had that he's had as a head coach, both of them under extraordinary circumstances. And he, he kind of danced around the answer. And, and that's probably my fault because that's probably a question that, that needs a bit more introspection. So, so maybe I'll ask him that again when he gets a bit more distance from things and is in a bit more of a reflective mood and not necessarily so much in the heat of the moment. But that Cal team that he took to the College World Series 10 years ago, they were on the chopping block. That program was on the verge of extinction, and the blade was falling. And he led them to a College World Series. 10 years later, he takes a team that, that didn't have any workouts or any practice at all until two and a half weeks before the season, had the most stringent requirements against it due to COVID-19, and due to Santa Clara County's uh, health policies, and a team that had to pause for COVID itself. Don't forget, they lost a series off the calendar 
and in a non-conference game as well, but they lost a series against Washington because they had to go on pause uh, because they couldn't meet COVID protocols for that week. Don't forget that. But despite all that, Esker leads them to Omaha. It's incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. And, and I guarantee you, as happy as you are and as thrilled as you are, might be that, 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 that Stanford's going back to the College World Series, you're not as happy as David Esker. I can promise you that. So looking forward, my keys for Stanford in Omaha, it's the same as it always is in the postseason for me. Pitching, pitching, and pitching. And going into the tournament, my biggest concern about this team was, was whether it had enough arms, enough pitching depth. I actually kind of thought that this team was a bit more suited to win a super regional than it was a regional because I had questions about the pitching depth for Stanford. Now, fortunately, in the regional, Stanford didn't fall into the elimination bracket until the very end. And fortunately, they were to come away with the win on the final day, knocking off a very game UC Irvine Anteater squad to win the regional. Stanford, that being said, they haven't had their pitching depth tested too much this postseason. And that's not a bad thing, by the way, right? You know, when you're getting quality starts, like you have for the most part from Brendan Beck and Alex Williams, it's not a bad thing necessarily to not have had your pitching depth tested a whole lot through the regionals and the super regionals. And Beck and Williams have been fantastic. But this is Omaha, man. Carter going to need someone else too. What's Zach Gretsch's role going to be? I mean, it's, it's kind of morphed from lights out closer throughout much of the year to kind of an amoeba type role where maybe he even, he even comes in and gives you a start if you need it. He's done that before, giving you a start, giving you five, six, five innings or so, and then turned it over to the rest of the bullpen. So he's kind of in, in, an, in an amoeba type role. It seems not necessarily the guy that you that you bring on in the ninth inning, get three outs, and then it's good night, everybody. Then again, Gretz was never really that guy. I mean, get getting given seven out saves, eight out saves, nine out saves, ten out saves. Not necessarily foreign to Gretz throughout his career. So, what's his role gonna be? Very intrigued to see that. I'm not necessarily concerned about Stanford's bats. Not necessarily. I mean, they do sometimes leave a lot of guys on base and they sometimes strike out a lot. And we haven't seen their designated hitter and backup catcher Vincent Martinez in a couple of weeks. Martinez, when he makes contact, look out. Look out. But they've also come through in a lot of big spots and a lot of high-pressure situations. And, oh, by the way, Stanford's hit 80 home runs as a team. A reminder that last season, even though they only played 16 games, Stanford hit a grand total of two home runs in the entirety of the 2020 season. Put another way, Brock Jones on Saturday at Texas Tech out-homered the entire Stanford team in 2020. All that being said, I'm not really concerned about the bats. My question leading to Omaha is largely the same as it was leading into the regionals. What is Stanford going to get beyond Beck and Williams and to a lesser ex extent, Zach Gretsch, no matter which role he plays? 
Quinn Matthews had been a starter for the first few weeks of the season and an effective one too. But he hasn't been as effective in the second half of the season. What's he going to do if and when called upon? Can Jacob Polish, another guy who missed the first half of the season with injury, along with Alex Williams, and has come back and, and done fantastic things, but can Polish and Tommy O'Rourke and Joey Dixon and Brant Panser, can those guys keep it up in the bullpen? Yeah, hell, maybe, maybe after what we just saw this past weekend, the question is whether we'll even get to see him, right? <laughs> I, I wouldn't be mad if, if long, dominating quality outings from Stanford starters became the, no, the, became the norm going forward. I wouldn't be mad at that one bit. But to me, that's the key. That's the key. What can you get from your unknown quantities? And are they going to perform the best on the biggest stage that this sport has to offer? Looking forward to checking it out. It is always, always super special when Stanford is in the College World Series. This is this is their 17th birth, their 17th time going to Omaha. And hopefully for the third time overall, and for the first time since 1988, which was a long time ago, the Cardinal can be the last ones left standing. And an intriguing bracket to be sure. We talked about it a little bit with Tim Tawa. Um, you know, I mean, some folks are, are saying, oh man, good thing Arkansas is out of there. And, and, and yeah, sure. I think Arkansas on paper would have been a stronger opponent for Stanford than NC state. But that being said, NC state still beat Arkansas. I, I can't sneeze at that. Arizona, a team that can mash my God. And we certainly saw that in the second game of the series when the Wildcats came up to Sunken Diamond and pounded Stanford, put up 20 runs on the Cardinal. Stanford did take two out of three against the Wildcats, by the way. They took pretty much two out of three against everybody throughout the season. And Vanderbilt, one of the uh, powerhouse programs that have emerged in college baseball over the last few years. So an intriguing side of the bracket for Stanford. Meanwhile, on the other side, you've got Texas, Tennessee, Mississippi State, and Virginia. So overall, this is a pretty quality field. Winner of bracket one meets winner of bracket two, and they'll play a best of three to decide the national champion. Can Stanford make it out of that bracket one with Arizona and Vanderbilt and North Carolina State? We'll start to find out for ourselves beginning on Saturday, late morning Pacific time. Looking forward to it. What are your keys? What are you looking forward to with Stanford back in the College World Series? Hit me up. I always appreciate your thoughts. Uh, via Twitter is the best way to go. Give me the hashtag TreeCast. That's the best way to ensure that I see your thoughts. Hashtag TreeCast. Let me know what your thoughts are on Stanford baseball and what you're thinking about this squad and what their chances might be. I kind of like their chances right now. If Stanford can do what it has done, play the style that it has played throughout much of the season and be as loose as it has been, man, they look comfortable in Lubbock. Maybe that translates to them looking pretty comfortable in Omaha too. Would love to get your thoughts, love to get your keys. I, I, I love to try to make this as interactive as I possibly can. Hashtag TreeCast via Twitter is the best way to have your thoughts heard on this show. And we will come at you next time. Hopefully the next time is after Stanford is back home 
with another national championship trophy. Boy, wouldn't that be something in, in this in this messed up year, right? <laughs> in this in this year where in, in which nothing was normal, in which so many things went wrong, and in which there were so many obstacles for Stanford teams to compete. And look, it wasn't 100% clean for every Stanford sports program this year. But wouldn't it be something if the Cardinal were able to add yet another national championship, this time in baseball? Man, that would be cool. Who knows? Maybe that's our maybe that'll be our topic and are the things that we'll be reacting to in our next episode of the TreeCast. In the meantime, if you haven't already, subscribe to the show, rate and review the program, and tell everyone you know about the show, whether they're Stanford fans, fans of our of, of Stanford opponents, whatever. Tell folks about the show and, and make listening to the program a big-time habit. And we'll come at you at a much more regular pace once football season rolls around. And it'll be here before we all know it. I can't wait for that. But in the meantime, man, Stanford baseball about to take the field at the College World Series. You can't ask for much more than that this time of year. Special thanks to our special guest for this week, Stanford senior Tim Tawa for spending some time with us. You also heard from Cardinal head coach David Esker, Stanford center fielder Brock Jones, and Stanford starting pitcher Alex Williams. From my neck of the woods, Castro Valley. How about that? So thanks to all of them for having their voices heard on the program. But of course, the biggest thanks most of all goes out to you for checking out the show. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. And... Now that things are loosening up, wear a mask still when, it, when it's smart to do so. But get that vac. Get that vaccine if you haven't done so. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for checking this out. And thank you for being with us on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network presented by Bet Online. <laughs>